Performance. This podcast is brought to you by IADT Radio Society and IADT Students Union. I am your host, Cathy Ann Murphy, and today's topic we are speaking about production design and the world of production design and the course Design for Station and Screen, production design in IADT. I'll be joined by designer Grace Tolan. Very excited to have her on the show. So if you'd like to get involved in this discussion, you can tweet us or tag us on Instagram or Facebook. I am now joined by Grace Tolan, who is a graduate from IADT. She graduated in 2019 um, with a bachelor's in design conversation and screen production design. She is an artist and does a lot of commissioned work and over lockdown has certainly, um, I suppose, flourished in terms of online business and selling her paintings and her designs. And she's also a working production designer. So hello, Grace. Hi. What's How up? are you keeping? I am. Do you know what? I, I'm grand. Like, you know, when you get those emails, just like hope this email finds you well. And it's like how the email found yeah. me. It's, I'm really lucky this is this is a podcast and not a video recording. <laughs> yeah do you know what's interesting as well do you know I'm I, I'm sure other artists are going through the same thing as well but I'm like obviously applying for stuff applying for grants the usual stuff that you do be doing when you're an artist and all of them are like thank you for your dedication during this time we hope that you are well unfortunately it's like <laughs> you know what At yes least, like, yes the emails are getting there like I'd rather see unfortunately than like just waiting and then like three months later be like oh jeez that job I applied for three months ago I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. hire anyone like do you know common courtesy yeah email yeah. it's bad yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so about yourself um Grace I've kind of mentioned in your intro there um you did production design similar to me and mm-hmm. we were actually a year apart in that yeah. we worked together as well but for you um why I suppose this is go all the way back why you decided to become a production designer was it something on your radar or were you more oh, interested in art? um so literally as far back as I can remember I've just wanted to do art like literally um I remember this one time we were looking through like these old home videos and like literally the, the majority of the time is me just coloring my dad turns around and says, Jesus Christ, things haven't changed. So uh, fast forward a few years and I was in transition year. And a friend of the family, she is a TV producer. She does like lots of uh, nature documentaries for like RTE. And she's based like not too far from where I'm from. Totally mad considering it's the West of Ireland and nothing much happens. But I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, so around the time... It was 2012 and a local village. um, So it was 2012. It was like the centenary anniversary of the Titanic. And a local village had like a lot, like a few people that went over on Titanic and a lot of them died. So they were like marking, I suppose, the occasion. And they were making like a documentary for TG Cahar. So I I, um, got involved with that. And literally after the week, I was like, oh my God, this is like the best job ever. So at the same time, I didn't really want to, uh, like neglect art either so I was like I remember like going back to school like right after my work experience and be like right literally just on the computer how can I combine these two things and I found production design and literally since then like my goal was just like to get into IDT like that's all I could talk wow. about for the next few years yeah and and did you like for me because obviously 
my situation was that I went in a in a roundabout way. I was into theatre and stuff, and then I found the course in, in kind of a fluke. I kind of walked in on the course, like I walked in on the on the studio, right. and I was like, oh my god, this is what I want to do. But for you, like, how did you find out? Because like I know you're from Mayo, and similar to myself, when you mm-hmm. live outside of Dublin, outside the centre, um, sometimes think you know you miss, I suppose, courses that you kind of have in your head. Like I had in my head, I was going to go to UCD, and that was it. I didn't even think of any other other like colleges right. or anything like that so for you how did you find the course did you look it up or did you hear it from someone else or literally you... like I said just trying to google how to combine these two things and I it just came up just IDT just came up and from transition year onwards I was like right I'm getting into IDT and I had like no other plans I'd like I think I put down like a couple of courses maybe in DIT and maybe a few other courses in IDT but um I was like full on shore and I remember during my leaving cert year I applied and I didn't get it um I was like (laughs) devastated and after a while I was like do you know what I'm just going to do a PLC course and I did a PLC course in Westport did that for a year and I got straight into IDT then wow yeah that's dedication yeah that's brilliant here I literally just like lived breathed and eat like IDT like from <laughs> then on for the past, like those few yeah. years even when I was in IDT that was just like my life mm. and so. when when you went to IDT you um because I just know from over the years you were part of the drama society as well weren't you oh here like that was it, it was just honestly one of the highlights like of my time yeah. in college because I said like I'm from Mayo and like we didn't really have that sort of stuff going on mm. I like I would have loved to like grown up so my mom's from Drogheda and her my mom's side of the family like were hugely involved in like the Drogheda pantomime like for donkey's okay, years yeah. and I remember coming up at Christmas time to go see the pantomime and see my cousins and relatives in it and then coming home and just like feeling like oh my god I want to do that like I'd always yeah. wanted to get into drama and stuff like that and I just the yeah. opportunity it just wasn't there so as soon as yeah. I heard there was one in college I was like right going for it signing up and it was honestly like I've had like such good times, such good yeah. times in Dramsack. It was brilliant. Cool. And then I suppose like because obviously we've both done the course and I've explained about the course before and I've had other people who did the course. But for you, what was the highlight of doing it? Like, I know that, you know, courses change over the years and I'm sure certain things have changed in the, in the course as well. But for you, what was the kind of highlight project or highlight? thing that you worked on that you still think about or even still refer back to even if it was like a couple of years ago yeah um there's a few one of them in particular when we were first year do you remember the um the art movement project yes yes yeah where we had to combine like a little film mixed with a theater Mm -hmm. like a little stage piece and we performed Mm -hmm. ours in the chapel um so my art movement was high renaissance and I was like oh god how am I gonna do this and then I remembered I'm one of the campest women I know (laughs) so that just like totally played for my advantage and I ripped the absolute piss out of it I Mm -hmm. dressed up as I made a dress did the makeup and I modeled a character off Botticelli's Primavera uh the Flora character Mm -hmm. in it and I did it all based on vanity and I went home and I remember like so where my house is at home in Mayo it's like on top of a hill and the backdrop is it's gorgeous there's mountains trees fields and I remember like shooting it and I just started skipping through the field 
And then my mom comes out the door and she's just like, what in the name of Jesus have I sent her? Um, and I remember I dressed up again and uh, went down Dunleary, went down the streets of Dunleary, all dressed up. And it was just brilliant. I had the best crack. Um, that's so- actually mine as well. Do you know what? That's, that's mad. Yeah. That is actually like what I refer back to as well, because I remember now this is a big revelation for me back then. I remember being in first year and I went into costume. That's what I you know went into pathways. Yeah. And the reason. And this is mad. The reason I didn't do production design, and like I think we can both say we don't need to go to maths. But when I was in school, I was horrific. Like next, I still am. Like absolutely shocking oh, at maths. Matt. Just not oh, Jesus I'm Christ. Horrific. Awful. And I thought, no, I won't do production because you know I'm not a mathematical mind. Even though production, you don't need to be. But anyway, mm. so yeah. I decided at the end of first year that possibly I want to be a production designer so I said you know what I'll do do this project kind of reflecting that so I yeah. got conceptual art like you know fetch, you know that really suits me like conceptual art out there and do whatever you want <laughs> yeah. and I made something right I made like this circular kind of structure thing with lights just everything I could think of right and I shot it and I thought I was like you know Steven Spielberg like going around just absolutely looking at it think looking back like you know I just absolutely went first like I just thought yeah. do you know what why not and I think that was a huge progression for me because when I was in school especially in fifth year sixth year you're going through that weird age oh, you know yeah. when you're kind of especially like you know yourself you're from Mayo like you go through that weird stage especially with your friend groups or being in <laughs> school even yeah or you're like not everyone understands you know, not everyone not for a house in Ballsbridge would you send me back to my teenage years like Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> it's tough and I think oh. like going into IDT there was a lot of time and 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 you know yeah. thoughts gone into how how can we make these artists young artists and students really kind of explore what they're capable of you know um oh, which yeah. is certainly what I found in first year yeah yeah that's how I felt with uh drama sock as well I remember when I was in second year question mark yeah second year we did uh the importance of being earnest in the pavilion in Dunleary and uh, I was just like right I want to be in it but I also want to design it as well <laughs> and I did uh, co-designed it and I was in it I played the part of Miss Prism and I remember oh, co- we had like we coordinated a team like there was like a few in my year and then there's a few mm-hmm. in the year above and then the year below and we got like costume and makeup production like we all got together and we just it was bloody brilliant like it was great crack um yeah. and I remember like the days of the show like I was there like trying to help set up this set decorate set, all the sort of stuff and they're like Grace we need you in makeup and I was like shite okay running across that and then get my makeup done costume done going back out trying to- oh my god it was mental but a great yeah. like such a good experience like mm. I think as designers like especially in in design versus screen and I kind of it kind of goes for every designer you kind of like need to actually be within this like basically a spectator or kind of like somebody who's involved in theater or film like obviously we watch films all the time but like I think once you're kind of in it and in the situation you view design so much differently do you know what I mean like if you're an acting or you're even working backstage or whatever you view the whole process so much better like I think you open your mind to it yeah, definitely. And I just, and I'm so grateful to have had that experience because like literally all my CVs since have been like big, bold letters, all this sort of stuff. Like, yeah. 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 And like, you know, we worked together obviously um, on a show there, Jesus, two years ago, which, oh, a year no, ago? A year ago. Sorry, it was 2020. February. 
well, yeah, it's only been a year. Yeah, yeah. So when you <laughs> it feels like a decade. Ago. <laughs> it does. Right. We worked on Shamrock Hill, and um, yeah. obviously, I took you. I took you. That's not the. That's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> you came on board <laughs> as production <laughs> and yeah. I directed. Yeah, so we, we were both production <laughs> heads. You know, I mean? we we both kind of, and and also the writer Colette was obviously the production design yeah, as well. That's right. So, like the three of us, kind of bouncing off each other and um, I'll never forget the day of our get-in where we had all of those things of timber and one working drill <laughs> oh sweet Jesus I had like such I a daddy drill I had it I bought I remember going into little to get like some I don't know carrots and I came out with the drill one time because you know that middle aisle is lethal and I just thought feck it it might be handy just to have like and I remember bringing it down and it was the middle of January. No, sorry, it was the, was it the middle of January or February? And it was February, freezing. Yeah. Freezing. It was, it was Eight awful. o'clock in the morning, trying to assemble this set outside Smack Hat. And oh my God, the drill wouldn't work. I thought I was going to get into the Liffy. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. That's we the did. We, we did, did it. Because Kathy got her dad, uh, dad's drill, which was just a powerhouse in itself. And we managed. It was grand. Isn't it mad? And you think back to those situations, because obviously now we're on the other side of it and at home and not being able to do theatre or do yeah. whatever, you know. And looking back now, the actual, like, it's like you go into, you know, when you hear, see the Nature Channel and like, you know, a predator <laughs> is chasing after and it's just like you go into <laughs> adrenaline mode. I feel like that's what we went into that morning. We were just like, you know what? Hey, didn't we? Make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Definitely. Mm. And so I suppose then for you, um, Grace, over the the lockdown, I suppose maybe after you left college and then kind of between then and now, um, what kind of happened for you as an artist? So I, I mentioned there you kind of commission work, you paint, and you had mentioned that you like illustration and painting. You never wants to give that up. So what was the process of that of, of finding your feet or finding your niche when it came to art? <clears throat> right. So, um, oh, God, in terms of what I'm doing now, it literally just just fell into place really um i like once lockdown happened i went home i went back to mayo for 3 months i started i went home initially for 5 days and i ended up staying the full 3 months and i only brought enough clothes for 5 days but i did bring enough art materials surprisingly um so i just i was just like i needed something to occupy my time like my parents uh are essential workers they they have a butcher so I was kind of helping them for a little while during the day and then coming back I was like right I just I just need to do something and plus for my own mental health sake as well like it was just <laughs> I'm not gonna lie it was it was pretty bad um and it did get me through a lot and then I suppose as time went on like I started like all these st- all these canvases and drawings started piling up and piling up and I just said you know what I'm going to start selling it and they started selling which was great and then I went back up to Dublin started a website um just to, so I could showcase my work I said I'd start a portfolio on it and offer commissions fast forward to a few months before Christmas and I got a good few commissions and that kept me busy for a while which was great so I'm not gonna lie I literally just like fell into it that's great though like out of pure necessity really yeah but I I think you know in a way it's great that like you were able to 
I suppose find find a way around the issues of lockdown. I think that's something that artists are trying very very hard to oh, find. Definitely, and, you know, there's certain I suppose there's certain avenues for artists in a way, and I, I'm not trying to say you know we're any less off than any other country, but mm. in ways I do wonder in Ireland especially at the moment is it that we need to find a reason to be artists as in we need to make a profit out of our job or we need to make a profit out of what we work as so that we can be viewed as essential because obviously we're not seen as essential and I'm not going to say you know we are definitely essential workers but we are still workers we still make a certain amount uh, of necessity I suppose Mm. yeah like I think yeah I think like with with me especially when I heard you know you're not an essential worker at the first point I was like okay fair enough Uh, you know the frontline workers people who need to be in work I was like fair enough like they need to be there but at the same time back then like now I've kind of progressed and I'm doing stuff online and podcasting obviously doing articles things like that and that's changed a lot for me but when I first started in lockdown I was going Jesus like is this it now do you know is this it for me as an artist and I think you know, it took a while for everyone who's an artist to really think, right, I'll start making work again. Well, it was oh, for me yeah. anyway. I felt like for a long time, I didn't want to do anything until now that I've realized, well, this is kind of inevitable. This is how it is now. Yeah. We just need to work around it, you know? That's, oh, definitely. Like, I don't think a week has gone by where I've had like a mini existential crisis about my future. So... <laughs> like everyone has been in the same boat like I remember like right before lockdown I was like looking at how I was going to move to London and I was looking at houses Mm -hmm. and I had to reject a few offers because the country went into lockdown um Mm -hmm. and even during like the mini gaps in between the other lockdowns I was like oh maybe I might go to Germany for a while just to check things out and you know what everything I don't plan a week in advance I'm not going to lie because it's just the way the country's going at the moment it's just hard to plan It is. And I think, as I said, um, mentioned there before, you know, the the idea of another country's, I won't say value on the arts, but for instance, now, right, I know England and London and stuff are like a different breed when it comes to theatre and film and things like that. However, I did watch um, Romeo and Juliet from the National Theatre there over the weekend and it was just from Sky Arts and it was just super and um, they were on stage there was not really much set they used the theater stage itself they had some props some set within that um, and they filmed it as if it was a film however it was very theatrical as well like there was theater moments there was bits of set you know it, we yeah. still feel it was on a stage but yeah. it was very much a film but it was a paired back extremely well acted and extremely well directed Romeo and Juliet right and they raised money and I think they raised like something like six seven million, like loads and loads of money because oh, yeah. they went they went out of their way and I, I know it probably cost them because they did it over 17 days the actors that they got were very good actually to mention jesse buckley from killarney who was actually juliet but anyway i'll come back to that but she was in it and there was a few different actors that are very well known in it and they shot it over 17 days and they kind of did, you know, the COVID tests. They gave slots yeah. for like the intimacy scenes that you're going to do like two hours, whatever, uh, making sure everybody was above board. And they created this piece, right? Yeah. And inevitably, they've made money f- by doing this and by showing that they're able to do this. Now, I question, right? And I know we're in a different economic 
way and a different economic standard compared to London and what they have available for the arts. But I do wonder, could we do something similar? Like what is actually stopping us as an artistic nation to find loopholes and find ways around yeah. it? And maybe it is down to, you know, the severity of how we're dealing with COVID and the lockdown situation. I don't know. But I'm wondering, what's your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that enough has been done or said or kind of adapted through lockdown for the likes of mostly theatre and mm, um, yeah. other things seem to be kind of okay <clears throat> films seems to be okay but theatre is really uh something's going on at the moment I think so my two thoughts on this um like I remember last summer like when all this was going on obviously I'm from Mayo and Gaelic football is practically religion and if I have to sit at a table and listen to one more conversation about who scored the best point in 1975, like I'm going to crack up. And that was, I felt that's what a lot of people's priorities were in terms of sports. The likes of Gaelic football, rugby, we just had the Six Nations. I love a bit of rugby, love the Six Nations. I was absolutely glued to it. They were able to do it. No bother at all. Obviously, they had to train. They had to travel. They had to do all this sort of stuff. There's absolutely no reason that can't be done in theatre. If, obviously, you had the budget to keep people in a bubble, to finance all that sort of stuff, like, it can be done. Mm. Um, And I suppose that brings up to my second point. It was like, I remember a few years ago when I was in, again, second year, <laughs> we were doing a lip sync version of Rocky Horror. And I was magenta in it. Again, another great time. Such good times. And I was kind of like doing a bit of research behind it. Like just, you know, this whole, I suppose, the whole phenomena around Rocky Horror. And I remember like watching an interview from Richard uh, Ryan and him saying, I think he said the, the budget wasn't very big and they had a certain amount of time or whatever. And it was just like, do you know, like limits increase creativity. And I'm just like, well, if, that can just be applied to everything like, you know, and it can be applied to this. There's no reason you can't be creative in terms of how you get creative. Considering yeah. the times we're in. Yeah, so, for sure. And I think, you know, I, I sh- I'm not, this podcast is not me ranting, right? That's not what I'm meant to be about. However, <laughs> I mean, it can be. However. <laughs> Our own little punching bag. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you know because I've had so many uh, this is my this is season two episode eight I think right and I've had so many artists up until this point in so many fields and so many disciplines adapting in so many ways which is amazing to see and you know it's been amazing to be able to find out how people are dealing with lockdown as an artist and as creators however um I do think you know there are a lot of restrictions prior to COVID possibly in the world of theatre mm-hmm. that have been even more kind of ba- barriers have even more been created due to COVID and I do wonder and I do hope that after all this is finished and, and we're out the other side of COVID that we do view theatre differently and maybe it is a fact that we try and bring theatre because what was so interesting about um, Romeo and Juliet the other night was I was able to sit down in my my room and put on Sky Arts and I'm sure loads of other people put on Sky Arts that night to see what it was about. Sky it Arts. Accessed, <laughs> yeah, it accessed so many people. Do you know, and like so many people that probably didn't go to the theatre before have no interest in theatre. Yeah. You know you're dead right with that. Yeah. Yeah. And Either I think like maybe that is where you can't afford it or do you know all that sort of stuff like 
Mm, for sure. And I think it needs to be something that is kind of pushed after COVID is the idea of being more accessible, especially to minority groups who possibly don't, you know, fit in to be able to go to the theatre. Maybe they live away in rural counties or possibly they just cannot afford to go yeah. to the theatre. That this exactly. opportunity is available. I, I That's just my two cents. However, Grace, yeah, no, 100% could you tell me... Yeah. Could you tell me for you when um, I suppose when you're working on a piece, right? We we kind of talk a lot about collaboration and about teamwork when it comes to, you know, design or whatever. But especially when it comes to being a production designer, um, yeah. how would you view, I suppose, collaborative processes? Have you had good experiences? Have you had? I won't ask you to name but have you had bad experiences this whole session been... is just a name and shame session <laughs> <laughs> has it been overall do you think since you've left IADT do you think it's been an overall experience for you being in a collaborative process with people how's it been to be honest I've never had any nightmare experiences now I know people have mm. I know some people have um but to be, to be honest I've been lucky I've been extremely lucky. I've always kind of like landed on my feet when it comes to like working with like just a re- like really great bunches of people. Um, but obviously that's not to say that I could just like <laughs> walk into work someday and just like come across the biggest arsehole like, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I do love um, collaborative work in terms of, I remember like being in IDT and like, someone saying well actually not one I've had like a few people say do you know what you're going to learn so much from your peers and so much people from your work yeah. with like you work with and I do you know it's it's so true like even like collaborative work like you're going to learn so much more from the people you work with and as well as that it's it's a sec it's just another pair of eyes do you know yeah stuff yeah, you don't yeah see, for sure stuff they don't see it all like you just get in the right frame of mind leave like I uh, people often associate I suppose this is just being incredibly bitchy but you leave that aside and you just focus on the job and you're just like just getting the most out of people like you know in the most productive way it's just it's I find that the most rewarding thing like you know yeah because yeah. like and you I go think- home at the end of the day and you're like Jesus Christ that was brilliant like I think you know there's 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 a lot to be said about as you mentioned there this kind of you know, listening to your peers, watching your peers, taking on criticism, because, you know, when you're in college, obviously, there is this sense of because you're being graded and because you're in college, you feel like, oh, well, as, as well as coming from leaving search, but, you know, you kind of come from this element of wanting to please the teacher or wanting to please the lecturer mm-hmm. because they're the person who's grading you. However, quite possibly the people who are sitting beside who you watch or you see you're there making presentations or they give their input to what you're creating yeah that is the basis of you going into the design world and going into creating work and um, by yourself or in a group or whatever and it's always those kind of moments you refer back to you know and there's a certain yeah. amount of pride when it comes to working within a collaborative process because it feels like you accomplished it by overcoming each person's um, advantages and disadvantages if you know what I mean like not everybody is good at everything and by working through that as a team there's a lot more that can be found which is interesting yeah. that's quite deep um, yeah. for this evening but that is what I, <laughs> that's what I mean I mean just talk about everything that's great like you know 
<laughs> we're going to solve the world's problems right here. You know, the ice caps <laughs> melting, you know, Putin so becoming president again. To Jesse Buckley that I mentioned there, who was in um, Romeo and Juliet there the other night, and she's from Killarney and um, Kerry. And I actually didn't know much about her. I had kind of heard of her name in passing, um, right. but I never, I never seen her in anything. I've never really heard of her. Right. Um, but she's a mu- more so a musical theatre performer. Um, she went to RADA, and oh, evidently now she is, um, working with the National, which is huge. But what was interesting about that production was she kept her Irish accent, and everyone else had English accents because it was Shakespeare, which I thought yeah, that's really intriguing. Bizarre. How the like at the moment with everything going not I suppose not everything going on but there is this kind of thing of when you go to England if you're Irish you're like an Irish stereotype or you're like the Irish performer and that's that's what you're known for and that's kind of the characters that you get which I thought was really interesting then they kept her Irish accent even though her mother the girl playing her mother and stuff didn't she had an English accent so um just just something about her I think is that you know for it's coming back to the arts really and the question is like you know there's jesse buckley over there kind of making it for herself and you know i i obviously came across some articles by the examiner by you know a few other newspapers however there is this sense of like when you leave the pond you're gone and you make it somewhere else and that's great for you until you come back and i do wonder for in your opinion what do you think needs to change in the mentality of like possibly the government or people or the institution itself of what like what needs to change in the way people view the arts um, that, you know, were valued at the same kind of level or valued certainly differently to how it's being structured right now for the benefit of all the artists as well? Okay, so I definitely think, especially after lockdown, um, the uses of, especially with the national, um, for people's number one, entertainment and the accessibility of it, and number two, people's, I suppose, mental health as well. Because if it's one thing that's kept us going is the likes of theatre, being accessible online, film, television and I think if people really take that into account then they're going to have to you know they're going to have to invest into it they're going to have to take it more seriously as well um in terms of um that actress being over in England I mean you know yourself like you watch things you watch the likes of I remember my sister telling me she was doing this essay for a college piece about um Irish performers in England and being a total piss take really. Um, now, obviously that's changed over the years, like um, because you're taking yourself seriously, do you know? Um, and yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. Like I found this, like, especially when I went into college, uh, I was coming up from, the, I was the girl from the country, like, do you know, big thick accent on me. And I remember I used to play off that a lot because it was defense mechanism because I was so nervous going into college but I was so excited at the same time and I remember using it as a defense mechanism and to be honest it got me by grant do you know um I worked with it I went on with it but I was still kind of like oh do you know she's from the country that kind of stuff 
And I feel after a while, I'm thinking of Nanette and the whole, her whole talk about um, self-deprecation and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. it can work. But long story short, it's almost like if you go around treating yourself like a gobshite, then people are going to start treating you like a gobshite. And that is not cool. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I suppose like we're just going on to like a whole life lesson here. Um <laughs> like I was told like recently <laughs> just oh, thoughts of life with grace um I feel that I was told recently you know all my life really stop taking t- stop taking things so seriously stop taking yourself so seriously and the things you do so seriously but at the same time d- don't let people make a gobshite out of you at the same time yeah that fine balance that's what my mom um, always says as well. You know, you d- you need to kind of, and it's something for all artists, especially students, I think, especially yes. any kind of student that's in IG or any art college that possibly listens to this podcast, um, that, you know, you need to actually see beyond yourself. And that's so like, geez, that sounds so like deep and meaningful, but it really isn't. What I mean is that you need to like see past your own image, your own insecurities and just focus on your own ability does that make sense yeah and like how definitely you're able to focus on your artistic practice develop that build on that and bring more people into that bubble and by doing that you'll actually express yourself and understand yourself so much better but like when you're like 20 you're still only learning who you're going like I'm I'm 26 I'm still only bloody learning who I am do you know so it's a whole process (laughs) if you can do that alongside your art yeah like you're you're really showing something you know you're really showing kind of determination really I used to always envy people that were so secure in themselves to be able to just Mm. let loose and be like fuck it just do it um seeing people in college like that seeing people in my drama society seeing people I worked with just being so secure in themselves and being able to do it which is amazing unfortunately I was just too self-aware of myself (laughs) it's a reason I think why a lot of artists especially student artists nearly give up in the final stages I think because of this I'm not just saying it's just because of insecurities obviously there's a lot of reasons why people might decide a different path is for them mm, yeah. however I have seen in the past people who are just you know feel like they're not they're not up to scratch or they're not able to get to the standard they want to but it's a whole process like it really is and like as much as I think back to when I was in college and I'm like oh like when I leave I'm going to be you know working in the west end or whatever and some people that uh, that happens for but a lot of people like like myself like it's a whole process and you just have to go with it like and it's not going to be boring it's not going to be detrimental you just need to do it you just need to go through it's like anything could happen do you know like yeah like I said before like my <laughs> that's for sure for years my sure. my um mindset was just get into IDT become a famous production designer I'm gonna have an Oscar blah 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 <laughs> but then I was like as time passed I was just like I'm not sure if I want to do this just production design just set design all that sort of stuff I got into uh drama society I love performing I absolutely love performing. I like writing as well. And obviously with my website going, I love painting, drawing, all that sort of stuff. Like, so it's, what happens, happens, do you know? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Grace, we're just kind of coming to the end here now. And I'm just wondering, could you let the listeners know where we could possibly find your work or find, obviously you have a website and stuff. So could you just let us know where yes. to find all that? So I've done it. I've, I've revamped it recently. There was three solid days. I was redoing it last week. Um, had a few little meltdowns. Um, <laughs> but it's all fixed. It's all up and running. The name of my website, and I suppose... Um, I don't want oh, this sounds so pretentious and it's not a brand <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just a name I came up with it's it's called missgracetolan.com mm-hmm. I remember when I was in college um, one of the lecturers used to call me Miss Grace because I was a big advocate for gold sequence um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's just it just came out so MissGraceTolan.com, that is the name of my website. You can find the shop for all my little bits. Uh, what else? Uh, portfolio. Like I said, I offer commissions as well. So if anyone wanted to just get in contact for all the arty needs, just send us an email. All the contacts are there. Or else on my Instagram as well, just at MissGraceTolan. That's also there as well deadly that's great and obviously we'll tag grace in all of our social media posts oh, so you can find thanks. her well thank you so so much grace for joining ah, me thanks so much fun. this is great <laughs> all right guys thank you all for listening stay safe and keep creating